0: up and welcome to difficulty class a podcast about all things dungeons and dragons i'm one of your hosts ali deichman and with me this week is
1: trevor bettis
0: that's right and this week we'll be talking about improvising encounters and puzzles as well as answering some listener questions at the end trevor how are your games this week
1: uh it was game game what, how was your game, game this one week? G- one game it is the opposite problem i had of a few weeks ago <laughs> where i had all the games right right <laughs> uh yeah i just um I, we have the bookstore game mm-hmm. Did that one uh, We did villains Which was pretty Ooh. cool uh, So I used a villain from Princes of the Apocalypse Nice. And used a puzzle from in there Which will be applicable later in the conversation hey. And uh, then Threw in my own little encounter And then did a boss fight And it was pretty good yeah, it, it went really well like everybody at the table had fun and I had some people that returned that I didn't expect to return <laughs> they had their own D&D stuff and dice this time I'm like
0: yeah, yeah I saw people straight up walking in with like the essentials kit box yeah well the, the, starter, <laughs> and, like, kit. the yeah. starter kit and like the starter kit too whereas, like yeah,
1: yeah uh, we the the store has sold so many starter kits now and every time I see A kid pick one up. It's not even kids. Like, I I have adults that are picking up for the first time. Mm -hmm. I I just, my, I get my heart warms. I know, right? Like, um, last time um, there was a kid picking up the starter kit. And one of the other kids that has been there since uh, I started uh, was telling that, kid with the starter kit about a game from a few months ago that one of the other dms ran and was bragging about how cool it was and the things you can do in DD. i'm like this is so cool
0: this is perfect that's a kind of what we wanted out of this is that for people to you know get a cool experience for DD yeah.
1: i also did enjoy the fact that the kid with the starter kit looked like a jock i'm like that's <laughs> right more cool <laughs> i think i think i was the seventh grader in me finally getting revenge
0: you know I, I, we all want that
1: how were how your games plural
0: <laughs> i did have games um i had three uh i did the bookstore one with you uh, mine went all right uh essentially i had the problem of i didn't pace out my encounters well and mm. i ended up nixing half of the content i had planned for which it happens and it's something that i'm learning from because dming for like a three hour max session where you're pushing it yeah. <laughs> for three hours is like way different from a home game uh, not just even one shots, but like just—it's so different from how you should run like adventures, and and so I'm I'm still learning it because I personally have never run an adventures league thing, mm-hmm. and so this is all new to me. Even though I've been a DM for a while, still new. Yeah.
1: But- well, it, it like. I will say that every game we've done in some way is fun, but it's also like not every game is going to be a winner. Exactly. Just, and it's just like at your table. This one's a little bit more pressure because there's people you don't know. Yeah. And, there's, and you're hoping everyone is enjoying it. I
0: mean, like the neat thing about it was halfway through the game, even though we were like, just stunted and like no one was moving or doing anything. One of the kids just said just out loud, This is the most fun I've ever had in DD. What? I know. And I'm just like, I just looked at her and just smiled. I'm like, Aww. oh <laughs> that's so sweet. I yeah. love it. Um, but yeah, so it was like my first challenge at the mm-hmm. bookstore, but honestly, it was it was a fun game still, and people still enjoyed it. So that's that's what I enjoyed.
1: That's awesome.
0: Um on Wednesday, Spencer DM'd again. Hey. which was great. Um, he We got into more of the Acquisitions Inc. stuff, um, and we got to choose our roles within oh, the franchise. God. I, I want to be
1: a documenter <laughs> or uh, an occultant. That's the one that I love.
0: Yeah, my uh, barbarian is a decisionist, <laughs> <laughs> and it's great. <laughs> but um, yeah, we didn't really have much time to do other stuff, but we pretty much learned about the roles and like in-character too, so it wasn't just like, read the book. It was like, Reacting to it and learning appropriately, um, so Spencer did a really cool job with that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday, Monday, technically, mm-hmm. um, I ran Dungeon Heist, um, the first session for a group of people, like my friends from high school, and like they, one of them has never played D and D before. Oh, really? Yeah. We just pretty much today was session zero part two, where we picked her spells and her equipment, and then we got into the game. And there was like a really neat moment where um, one of the experienced players, she was like, oh, I'm gonna walk away from the literal start of this entire plot because he won't accept me asking for more money. And I'm sitting there going, all right. I could work with that. But then the new player's like, oh, I bet she didn't plan for that. And I'm all like, I didn't. But you know what? We can roll with it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> roll with it. Dice joke. Which can, you know,
0: yeah, roll with it and also be tied into one of our <clears throat> topics of the day. Hey, that's true. Yeah, But um, aside from that, we've got some news.
1: News. No, 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 no. No, I'm not going to do that. No, 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 no. We're, not, we're not doing the radio news thing. <laughs> you, can, you might hear, I'm, I'm typing... No, no, didn't you didn't hear that? Um, yeah, so uh, some different kind of news. I don't think anyone ever expected me to uh, to cite the Hollywood Reporter, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, actor Will Wheaton is suing Geek and Sundry over web series profits.
0: Yikes! Yeah, big yikes.
1: Um, the the way that I actually found out about this today was that Green Ronin uh, retweeted it with Ti- uh, Titans Grave update. Oh, it's like ooh. So yeah, if uh, you're familiar with the Geek and Sundry show, let me get the full title: Titans' Grave, The Ashes of Volcana, which is like s- fucking great title. I loved it. Yeah. If you're familiar with it, you know that there was one season. Um, I loved it, and then there was nothing else. Mm-hmm. And there was like rumors about another one, and it never really happened. But that surprisingly isn't what it's about. So uh, here's what the Hollywood Reporter has to say about it. Uh Star Trek Next Generation and Big Bang Theory. Of course, those are the two that he gets cited for. Star <laughs> Will Wheaton says that he's been shorted profits from a web series according to a lawsuit filed with Los Angeles County Superior Court. Wheaton and his loan-out company, Media Dynamics, on Monday sued Legendary Geek and Sundry for breach of contract. The actor claims that Legendary in 2015 hired him to create, write, exclusively or executive produce and host the web series called Titan's Grave, The Ashes of Alcana. And he got paid $50,000 and 50% of the net profit for the series, which is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Legendary had the exclusive rights to distribute and promote the web series, uh, but it was supposed to, quote, consult meaningfully, end quote, with Wheaton before doing so, uh, according to the complaint. The actor says Legendary uh, defied this provision and neglected license agreements, uh, or sorry, negotiated license agreements with Sinclair Broadcasting, Hulu, and Pluto TV without informing him. There's no Oxford comma there. It makes me really unhappy. Uh, (laughs) Wheaton expects the legendary uh, has collected significant fees in connection to these deals, and therefore he's due his share, but says the company won't let him audit its books. Wheaton is seeking $100,000 in damages and is asking the court to order a full accounting of... uh, Full accounting be conducted.
0: So he's just straight up thinking they're lying about how much money they're making. It kind of
1: sounds like it. Yeah. Well, like, especially because, because I remember hearing that Titan's Grave was going to be on TV somewhere. Yeah. And then that it was also going to be on Hulu. Like, oh, that's really cool. But now knowing this, that's not that cool.
0: Yeah. So, like, uh, the whole consulting him meaningfully probably was in that contract for the (laughs) sole Reason of just keeping him updated with where his money will come from, mm-hmm. and the fact that they didn't did that, and that the, all of a sudden there's new money coming in, possibly that he doesn't know about. Yeah, I mean he, yeah, he's he he he's. I think he's in the right there. I mean, honestly.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, uh, this article is like I said from the Hollywood Reporter. It's written by uh, Ashley Collins. So if you want to go over there and give her a click, uh, because we told you essentially what she wrote, uh, <laughs> go ahead and do that, and uh, you know get get her some more stuff get us some more views. Uh, But yeah, uh, that is upsetting. And uh, also somebody pointed out on Twitter that I thought was really interesting that our hobby has now reached the point where lawsuits are filed over it. Yeah. Like, that's a big thing. Like, lawyers might be on the lookout now for you know, tabletop related lawsuits. Well,
0: I mean, it's kind of that concept of YouTube and like Minecraft. Yeah, Like being able to broadcast your Minecraft streams on YouTube became like a huge ordeal because all of a sudden it's like, is this copyrighted because it's like a video game or? And I've
1: had that question too, like, I ran the Lost Minds of Phim Delver for the adventure series. And mm-hmm. then I had the thought afterwards, like, wait, can I do that? But I know other people have run yeah. pre-written adventures. So I was like, okay, well that must be good. But yeah, there was that part of me that I'm like, I can see why this wouldn't be okay.
0: Yeah. And like, I get it, but that is, that is a good point where we'll have to see where this goes with this hobby's future. As far yes. as that's concerned, it could be like YouTube where it kind of fizzles out because well, content creators overrule, but, or it could end up being something else. I hope content creators overrule it
1: <laughs>
0: for not just our sake, but you know, for everybody's. <laughs>
1: yep. Uh, the uh, next piece of news is not nearly as important or interesting, but Jim dark magic is coming to idle champions and I'm so happy. Yay. Uh, <laughs> yes, dark this magic. is me talking about, well, I was talking about idle champions again, but Jim dark Magic is coming, which means that other acquisitions incorporated people are coming and I'm so excited.
0: Yes. Also. Yes. Um, yeah, we, we do love idol champions, um, and if you have a formation that you love more than anything, share it with us. We would love to look at it, screenshot it, show it to our Twitter. Oh,
1: yeah. No, that'd be great. Yes. Yes. Uh, send it to us on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. that'd be great.
0: Because we'd love to argue why we think our formation's better um, or agree with why why didn't we see that earlier. You oh, know? yeah. 100%. Yeah. That's
1: mostly going to be my reaction because I, <laughs> I just throw yeah. people where I think looks good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. If you play Idol Champions, go ahead and uh, talk with us. We'd love, we'd love to chat. Idol Champions is fun.
1: And Jim Winks. <laughs> Um, the We're going to move into some dungeon keeping real
0: quick. Yeah, we actually have some.
1: We actually do. <laughs> uh, so hopefully <laughs> this episode is sounding better. Yeah. Uh, I know the last few haven't because we've run into problems with using two mics. Uh, we've been recording off of one Yeti, and right now we're doing a Yeti and a Snowball with, uh, what is it, Voice Meter Banana as the virtual <laughs> mixer. And so if any of you out there are audiophiles and know a bunch of stuff about recording podcasts, we'd love to talk to you and get some information if you have some time to talk. Yeah, definitely. Not just about, you know, us doing it like this and, you know, maybe what mixer we should have and what programs we should be using, but also like how to record a table.
0: Yeah, that's been my biggest hurdle is I've been wanting to record D&D for like, I don't know, years now but my biggest hurdle is that i don't want to put out something even for myself mm-hmm. that is just terrible quality well yeah
1: um the the game we talked about last week the the one that finished up my game i planned originally to do that as an adventure series and you know put it up on yeah. the stream but it we recorded that practice game it sounded terrible yeah absolutely terrible so i would love to talk to anyone that has any ideas or knows what to do in that situation.
0: That uh, hopefully doesn't involve, like, spending more than $300 on a setup. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I've seen answers out there, and they're like, oh, well, just get, like, eight of these mics. I'm like, oh. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. Once again,
1: (laughs) doing this for free. (laughs) For now. For now. (laughs) Oh, yeah, who knows? Maybe. Hey, Patreon I hear is nice. Um, The next piece of dungeon keeping we have uh, is actually a format format. sort of change or announcement I don't know yeah. uh, basically so we started this part of this podcast off with a review of Storm King's Thunder yeah which we thought would be really good because we were both Uh. one was running it one was going to be running it and <laughs> <been> derailed um, <laughs> and it seemed like a good starting place for us to have a conversation about mm-hmm. so thinking about when doing reviews would be the best time instead of just doing randomly what we're going to do is every 10 episodes is going to be a book review yeah This could be campaigns, this could be core books, this could be supplements, anything like that. Every 10 episodes, we're going to do a review. Yeah. Uh, That is starting uh, on episode 11 with Curse of Strahd.
0: Perfect. Yes. Uh, (laughs) We've mentioned we've done Curse of Strahd a few times now. I'm
1: hoping that if we just talk about it, we'll shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, what this means is uh, you have an idea of when we're going to be doing reviews uh, we will announce ahead of time what review we're going to be doing. Maybe we could do that at the end of each review episode and mm-hmm. then do some reminders. Um, but this is a way that you can. Think up some questions, anything that you, if you're thinking about running it yourself and you want some tips, yeah. you can send those into difficultyclass at gmail.com and we can have a conversation with, about them on the review episode. Definitely. And if you're really, you know, if you, you're you a player that has questions about it, do that too. Maybe we'll do a player uh, question part before the spoiler part of the podcast.
0: Yeah. Because uh, just as a heads up, I've never ran it. I've only played in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Trevor was my DM. Mm-hmm. And so there's like a good, good portion of that book that I have no clue I, about.
1: I'm, I'm, you're going to leave with it tonight, and I can't wait for you to see all the <gasps> things that didn't happen. I'm
0: very excited.
1: <laughs> That's cool.
0: Okay. So that is our dungeon keeping of this week. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to our first topic: improvising encounters
1: the thing i do way more than anyone thinks i do
0: that's <laughs> that that meme it's like oh you know the hulk it's like that's my secret i'm always, always improvising, improvising.
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> i showed that to tarjio that's you yeah
0: <laughs> big mood it's it's because <laughs> it's true um even though i've been running Curse of Strahd for what feels like two years now I
1: not no, Storm King's Thunder. Oh yeah, you said curse of Strahd. I did. <laughs>
0: it's on my mind now. You said I'm gonna take it home tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, even though I've been running Storm King's Thunder for what feels like two years now, um, the amount of the encounters that I did in that book probably nowhere near the amount of improvised encounters I did.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the main one of the main reasons being it's because they're kind of overleveled for that book technically. Yeah. Uh, not really. Like you could run as is and it'll be fine because I mean, hello, they're all giants. Um, but yeah, improvised encounters is something that's really important to my game and for DMing in general. And I know a lot of people can have a hard time getting into that. And because I know when I first started DMing, I had to write Everything out Oh I yeah. had index card Upon index card Upon index card
1: I had I had block text That I wrote out Yeah
0: No I myself. did too I had entire conversations Between NPCs That I wrote out And I'm like This is ridiculous mm-hmm. And I think laziness Just kind of Overtook that need To prepare And that's what led me To just start Improvising more Yeah um, Which The benefit of improvising It feels Way more natural When you do it Yeah Um, It doesn't feel like you're just reading from a book Which I mean If you're running a campaign You technically are Mm -hmm. Usually but if you're improvising an encounter We talked about it I think last week Where our friend who ran the Pathfinder game We learned that like The past four sessions were improvised And like we're not improvised but he he did it Out of the book so it's like Okay It it can feel more natural than you would expect Mm -hmm. It, It might take a little bit of Experience to get there but it it's worth a try
1: yeah i i will say that i would not recommend a new dm to try improvising stuff mm-hmm. more of just don't pat don't ah, don't panic yeah and that that's kind of where my um practice with improvised encounters came from where my players suddenly punching someone that i don't, yeah. not only don't have stats for but like I just threw in as a random character in a tavern. That
0: you don't expect to be an issue. Yeah. But then and, they are. <laughs> and
1: then all of a sudden, you know, fisticuffs are being thrown. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that players kind of taught me how to do this. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's something that you kind of grow out of. You grow out of using index cards for every single thing. You grow out of railroading your car- your players around. Mm-hmm. Um, because in a weird way, it's easier. Yeah, And um, I kind of want to talk about the ways that can help you improvise a little bit mm-hmm. and the tools that D D, that wizards themselves provide to help you improvise um some very helpful
1: tools all right well, let's let's uh let's hear those
0: yeah so uh number one if people are just going around in the nature somewhere
1: in the nature.
0: <laughs> when i say the nature i mean that could range anywhere from in a cave to the tundra to just the middle of the forest to a city like
1: make it sound like uh me and tar going on a nature walk where i'm just like ah oh, nature's dirty. <laughs>
0: like um the beautiful thing is that in Xanathar's guide they actually separate all the monsters by what area they would pop up in.
1: Mhm. Yeah. So uh also uh quick D&D beyond plug you can actually sort all monsters by location on there.
0: Even better. Yeah. That. So like because i'm sure in D&D beyond you can also sort by uh CR level too. Oh yeah yeah
1: when we did that month at the bookstore where it was all coastal adventures Mm -hmm. like i literally just like all right cr7 um coastal and it brought up everything and it brings up everything even if you don't own it so i was like i guess i'm gonna buy that
0: (laughs) Eh, clever Mm -hmm. um and the beautiful thing about it is that like if they are suddenly going off the quote rails you know Mm -hmm. um then you can still throw an encounter at them if you feel like there is needed one. Yeah. That's kind of the kicker. Um, if you feel like, oh, I'm just going to throw in an encounter here because it's, I don't know, it's four o'clock and it's time for an encounter, mm-hmm. maybe think about why. Yeah. Um, that's like, I guess, the, a main thing. But that kind
1: of goes back to the pacing conversation. Yeah, that's had. pacing.
0: It's like, uh, is there a point to having this encounter here? Really, the only time you should improvise an encounter is if the players invite one.
1: Well... Not necessarily. Oh, yeah. Um, because um, in the, the, the Cursed Strahd game, when the player... Uh, w- betrayal per- player was off doing something else, mm-hmm. and you guys were doing another thing. We were reaching the end of the the session. Yeah. But he had a lot more left to do in his story than you guys did.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> so
1: you guys got to the Raven Queen's... Well, this is not a spoiler. I put this stuff in myself. Um. So... He was doing his stuff. You guys had just gotten to the the realm of the Raven Queen. And I was like, well, I don't really have anything planned for that because I thought these were going to sync up better. Yeah. I thought I was going to be able to do my cliffhanger thing. I'm like, and then you see this, blah, blah, dun dun, dun, Um, So when you guys got there, I had those crow men attack you.
0: Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There are no stats for them.
0: I know. I remember you saying that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, I don't even remember what stats I used. Mm-hmm. Um. But that's kind of my advice for it when it comes to these random encounters where you just throw something in there or your players fight something that you don't have stats for. I just found the closest thing in the book mm-hmm. to it around your guys' CR level. Yeah. And went with that.
0: I mean, like that's another tool right there. Uh, the Monster Manual briefly goes over, but I think the Dungeon Master's Guide goes into it more in depth is reskinning a monster. Yes,
1: that's one that's one section I vividly remember. Reading. You don't
0: have to plan ahead about reskinning a monster, but you can definitely read that section and figure out what to do because you can briefly just look at, okay, uh here is a giant. Yeah. And then you could suddenly like I've seen people turn um a Giant into like a horde of
1: like mob of people. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. And so it's like it deals the same amount of damage. They have the same amount of movement kind of concept. And so it's like if you just understand how to reskin a monster, you it's a lot easier to do it on the fly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that is, <laughs> it's cool to have a stat block, but sometimes you don't have a stat block. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you get really into the nitty gritty of improvising. Where you're literally just rolling a d20 and you're saying, I think this is what they would be.
1: (laughs) I've done that a lot. I've
0: done that a lot too. Uh, Sorry players to hear that, but I have. I've done that a lot.
1: (laughs) I've even gone with the guise of a holding the monster manual in my hand. Yeah, totally. (laughs) It's that like, I totally know what I'm doing. And back behind it, there's just a big piece of paper that says, you don't know what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs)
0: And it's like, yeah, you, you just reference back to the monster manual. You don't know what you're looking at, and you just say, yeah, that'll hit. Yeah, I just look at the <laughs> monster, and I'm like,
1: that's a cool piece of art.
0: Yeah. Um, it it kind of boils all the way back down to pacing. Um, if you feel like the fight is going on too long, well, then you could uh, dial back your made-up monster on the spot and mm-hmm. just say, yeah, no, suddenly he has less health than I thought he would have. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've just written down a health number. On my little tracker And yeah. I'm all like Okay yeah This is his health now
1: <laughs> Well I, I oh Man I didn't even I actually didn't think about this During pacing There was uh, There are times Where There's a battle going on And Like It feels like This is like The climax of it Where it should start getting deadly And it's got Two hit points left Yeah And I'm like Yeah it's got more hit points than that Oh yeah that's, and I, I mean that's and part I, of I'll improvising just, And i an on Some Some mm-hmm. uh, Hit points Because it's like Looking at that, it's like, okay, I know I'm not going to kill any of the players, mm-hmm. and this is just so that they can look cool. Yeah. Because if you do have that one where, like, big boss battle goes way too fast, then they're like, eh, whatever, they don't really remember it. But uh, when it, there's a monster in Tomb of Annihilation a big, big monster. It's not a boss. It's actually optional. <laughs> um, and my players went to fight it and I added on, I think, 200 hit points to it at oh, one yeah. point. You and went fourth edition on it. <laughs> I did. Um, but I, they, they had... Six players and a dragon helping them. <laughs> so I was like, I didn't feel that bad about it. Yeah, but no. I did it at this point where it felt like they were finally getting into a groove as a team. Like they were X-Menning it. Oh. Like they, they were like, all right, you hit it with this and then you shoot it with that. And then I'm going to run up and do it. And it was, they were working as a team and it was beautiful. And I'm like, I'm not going to just stop this right now. Mm-hmm. I want them to look cool. Yeah. So yeah, that was an improvised oh, thing yeah. where I'm just like, yep, adding that on.
0: Oh, yeah. And I mean, like, if you should have a goal for any improvised encounter, it's either. Well, it could be both, but uh, one, you know, move the plot. Mm -hmm. Don't just have it be like, here's an encounter and then nothing happened out of it. (laughs) Um, And two, try to make it a cool one. Yeah. And if that involves just kind of making random stuff up, like, oh, now this monster has this neat ability where they can, like, help their fellow ally. You,
1: don't, you, and... know, you know what my number one favorite spell to give? Something hmm. that surprises the crap out of everyone? Haze? Misty Step. Oh, oh yeah. No, the Misty, Misty Step something Misty Steps, everyone goes, oh,
0: Panic. crap. Yeah. They <laughs> it's so good. It's also a neat mechanic and spell because it also invites more movement on yes. the board. Um, which is something that I guess we can talk about later is just that there's a lot of lack of movement in DD fifth edition, necessarily. Yes. Because a lot of people say, Okay, I got my spot, and unless the bad guy moves, then I'm staying here.
1: That's why that's one reason I can't wait to talk about uh Pathfinder second edition. Exactly. We'll get we'll get
0: to that. (laughs) And so like throwing in these even just simple spells where you could even just say, Oh, they can use it three times a day. Yeah. I mean a lot of monsters in the monster manual has that ability where it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, it's an innate spellcaster they can cast this and, and, how many times a day and
1: like even if somebody argues like oh well there's no thing in the book that they they can do i'm like literally anything in the DD world can be an innate spellcaster at any point in time yeah like i, I know in older editions dragons are always innate spellcasters mm-hmm. they aren't in fifth edition but there are dragons that are
0: yeah there are wizard dragons and which I are really cool that's
1: so cool
0: <laughs> i mean like there's a wizard kraken uh, what? Yeah, I'm not going to tell you exactly where because that's a little bit of spoilers, but yeah, there <sighs> is. so
1: cool. I know my
0: players all said that too. They're like, he's a wizard and a kraken? I'm like, yeah, I just he is. pictured this giant squid with
1: this like tiny <laughs> wizard hat on. It's like with his little tentacles going, Me He
0: has, you know, the, the robes of the arch magi where he was just like, <laughs> and they're on his little shoulder. I love but, it. Um, yeah, so it's like when you're improvising monsters into this mm-hmm. encounter, especially a combat encounter, like definitely... Um, don't be afraid to throw in magic because it's so fun. Well, and the other thing, like
1: like, going back to the example of like you're in a tavern and you threw in some random person you thought was funny and apparently all of your group thinks is a jerk and they punch in the face. Yeah. What if that dude suddenly just busts out a magic weapon? And everyone's like,
0: whoa! shit! (laughs) Which could, in the end, evolve into something really neat because what if they like notice, oh, this guy's really strong and he didn't have bad intentions at first. Maybe we can get him on our side. And what a cool intro to a new ally.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Like, um, I, I know there were several times during Dragon Heist where they started fighting someone that I'm like, what, but, what, 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 huh, what, yeah, yeah. why? <laughs> 100%. <laughs> and like... so I just, that was one of the times where I didn't even bother looking at the, the book. I just started rolling stats for it. Mm-hmm. And it worked out fine. Yeah, Because of, like, the thing you got to remember is, in those situations, when your players are just fighting someone randomly, that unless that person is secretly a Cirac, like <laughs> you're not gonna kill anyone. Yeah. You shouldn't kill anyone no. unless there's a good beat for it. But you can give them something interesting. That makes them go, oh, fuck, I need, we need to be more, uh, you know, on top of this. Or, like, maybe we shouldn't just punch every random person we yeah, come up to. like
0: we've talked about it before, but, you know, in d d you should provide consequences for behavior like that. Yes. It's like, treat it like the real world. If you punch someone in the face, something's going to happen back at you. Yeah. Well, yeah,
1: it's, <laughs> it's like, it was, it's you, you never know what that person has on them or is going to do. Like, mm-hmm. they could be a freaking psychopath.
0: I mean, like, especially if you keep kind of, like a game home base in a large city mm-hmm. so many adventurers go to large cities yeah and so I, many people I, I, can come
1: I, I feel like we talked about at one point though where it's like the murder hobos that go through villages and murder people it's just like you don't know who everyone is there like not everyone should cower in fear someone is going to try and murder them
0: yeah oh yeah someone will retaliate <laughs> yeah. at some point you're going to come across a town that's like oh yeah no we have wizards yeah plural yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, they vacation home here. Yeah. And how crazy of an encounter would that be? You could just, you could easily pull up the Volo's Guide to Everything. Just, there's, like, six different wizards back there. Mm -hmm. You could easily make a whole encounter using all of those. Oh, yeah. I mean, granted, they're all, like, CR 9 and up. But if your players are at that point where they're just kind of murdering people. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally throw in people that could possibly murder them back.
1: Yeah. Do the Mal Reynolds sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, okay. What, what would you say? Do you have any more tips on it before I, I have another no, part of it? keep going. Uh, what would you say is the, the craziest encounter you've just straight improvised?
0: Ooh. Um, I'd have to think on that. <laughs> Do you have one so I can, like, think about it while you go?
1: Uh, let's see. Um, it, It's... Okay, so I guess I should rephrase it. Like, not the whole encounter, but something you've improvised in the encounter that was crazy. Yeah. Like, I think mine is definitely... Uh, Curse of Strahd when they're fighting night hags and I'm like, I'm already 20 minutes over when I said I was going to end this <laughs> and I just had one of them grab an unconscious player and vanish. Mm-hmm. And that was completely improvised and we'll get into it in the, the Curse of Strahd review of what happened with that. But that one moment that I improvised changed the entire like tone of the campaign. I know now. Okay.
0: Uh, Remember how I kept mentioning a few weeks ago how I had Valindra suddenly show up? Yeah. That entire combat encounter was improvised.
1: That's awesome.
0: Because she was just supposed to be there gathering some intel. Mm -hmm. And then they probed her brain. They literally detected thoughts on her. And she's (laughs) like, you think I'm not going to be antagonized by that? Yeah. And so (laughs) I'm like, oh, God, this is a lich. Yeah. (laughs) And so I had to improvise that entire combat encounter because I was not expecting them to go after her like that. Mm -hmm. So I think that was probably the the craziest time i've had to do that
1: and it, did you did you just use the lich stats from the book no. or did you just come up with everything no
0: i had to change her i looked at the book lich and i'm all like this isn't right <laughs> and so i like changed half the spells thankfully i have like an app that has like all the spells at my hand so mm-hmm. i don't need to like panic on that yeah. and flip through the
1: player's handbook but but still like i'm sure when you did that you still kept yourself to a slot rule
0: yeah yeah oh yeah no and, and i that's... have slots written on a whiteboard and i'm like This is how many I have. Yeah.
1: And and that is something really important to do is that, like, if, like, you might be sitting there as a player who's never DM'd and been like, you're just coming up with stats on the fly. That's not fair. That's the important thing is that you do need to keep it fair. Mm -hmm. That's why I say don't improvise these things for a while because I can sit down, have a CR7 creature and pretty, and pretty comfortably ballpark its HP. Yeah. And, and depend, and... Its HP influences how much it's hitting for, mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. You you get to a point where you've looked at so many monster stats that you can just do it off the top yeah. of your head. And not to and mention keep it size fair. too. Yeah,
0: because size is a good uh, like starting base, deciding you how many dice you actually roll.
1: Yeah, well, not just that, but you know the size. That influences the CR. Yeah. And and it isn't quite like Pathfinder where it's like set numbers. It's like, no, if this is a giant creature, he's easier to hit because there's more of him to hit. So his AC is lower, but he's got a little bit of armor. So it brings up just a little bit.
0: Which is a cool way of improvising a suddenly new and big thing. Because size difference is like, I mean, an easy rule of thumb is just add one more damage dice. Yeah. Like, I mean, consider a giant. They roll 3D something, whatever their weapon is. Yeah um three d12s for the great x for frost giants right if he was a human he'd be rolling one d12 if he was like an ogre he'd be rolling two d12s
1: uh, I'll, I'll be honest when because when i run games i always use their given number i the the, yeah. the average so most of the time i'm not thinking about how many dice they're rolling i'm just moving that scale of oh, damage yeah. number
0: like either way just try to like Consider that scale, mm-hmm. like uh, scale up as they physically scale up, Yes, <laughs> I guess is a good way to put it. Yeah. So like, even if you're improvising monsters like that, try to keep it restrictive to like, to keep it fair, mm-hmm. not restrictive, keep it fair. So that way you're not giving them 900 hit points when your players only have a cumulative 90. Yeah. Don't give them like 20 spell slots when you only have one magic caster in the group and they don't have counterspell. <laughs> you know, it's like... Consider your players too. Uh, We've said this before, read the table.
1: Yeah. Well, I've also thought that we could do a a whole topic on consider your players.
0: I'd love that. Yeah. So definitely when you improvise monsters like that, keep it fair. Um, And if you don't, that's the thing. You could 100% accidentally not have it be fair. And that can happen a lot. That's happened to me so many times Mm -hmm. where it's like, my players are almost all dead. I'm going to knock down all their healths. They didn't just end up with only two HP left. Nope, you killed them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to make it... Yeah, no, I didn't just crit on you three times in a row. Oh, yeah. That happened Sorry, to Spencer. me uh, last night, by the way.
1: Oh, God.
0: To my brand new player, uh, who's never played D&D before. They're just going up against four Kenku.
1: Oh, that that one is so deadly.
0: It is, and I didn't realize that. Yeah. Because, I mean, like... Uh, I'm not, like, the smartest DM ever. I am probably one of the... I
1: um, don't think we're ever going to claim that we are the smartest DMs. I
0: will say I'm probably one of the laziest ones. Um, Like, you know the concept of sight-reading music? Yeah. I've approached that now to modules, which is really bad. (laughs) 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 Where I am literally DMing it. And reading it for the first time. Oh,
1: my God. <laughs>
0: Which is not something I would ever recommend. No,
1: no. Um, I tried to do that with Prince's of the Apocalypse back in the day. No. Not a good idea. <laughs> not a good idea. I did
0: just do that, like, two weeks yeah. ago. It was bad. But, so, last night, for Kenku, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, uh, this shouldn't be too bad. But then all my players were missing, and this is their first encounter ever, and this is, like, their introduction into combat, and this is, like, everything, and then all of a sudden... The Kenku kept hitting, and mm-hmm. then there was a crit on one of the players. She goes down. I nearly kill her, kill her. And I'm like, oh my God. And so I shift. I make it so that way they start mimicking these players going down, which is distracting. And then so like they're they're slipping, literally. Yeah. And so I'm rolling behind the screen and I roll with advantage. And wow, okay, there's two, there's a 20 and a 19. Uh, yeah they're definitely Gonna hit her AC 13 No uh, Tell me Does a Nine hit
1: Yep I've done One of my favorite images I've seen recently Was It was this Picture It was, it was an Artwork of a, of a dam And there was a Oh yeah. Uh, there's a small (laughs) little town down there. And on the town, it says level one wizard on the dam. It says a DM that doesn't want to kill his new players. And then the water behind the dam was three criticals in a row. And it was just like, (laughs) that's that.
0: Yeah. 100%. 100%. And so like, I had to completely pivot the encounter that was written. Yeah. Which I guess is improvising in a weird way. It is. Yeah. Um, I would 100% go into full improvising in general however that is a really broad topic yeah
1: no that's the thing like this conversation isn't going to give a lot of tips because improvising is not an easy thing that you can just yeah tell someone over an audio podcast but i hope that you can get an idea of what Mm -hmm. we're doing to improvise and give you some ideas of how you can
0: yeah i mean definitely if you're starting out as a dm don't be afraid to improvise but just also, don't be afraid to kind of look at your players in full honesty and be like, okay, just give me like two minutes, guys. Yeah. Because I can't tell you how many times I've done that.
1: Oh, I, I, I'm i going to give you more leeway than that. I have straight up looked at my players and go, listen, there's nothing written about this, and I don't know what to do. Just and the player, and, and I'll it. tell you this, every single time the player's going, oh, okay.
0: Yeah. Because I mentioned it before, this is content that you're all writing together. Yep. And so if you, the main narrator don't know what to do next the players will 100 percent understand to be like yeah take what you need just take the time and figure it out and we'll help you along the way which yeah. is great because you know your players are your friends and usually and they help <laughs> usually <you>. yeah <laughs> um but yeah definitely if you're having trouble improvising just give yourself a minute or two to put yourself together and figure it out
1: and don't, and don't feel bad if you're not at a point even if you've been doing it for years that you're mm-hmm. not good at improvising stuff it'll it'll happen one day trust me it will i never thought i'd be good at it and i feel like i've got a pretty good handle on it Mm
0: -hmm. just uh leaf through the monster manual one there's a lot of cool artwork in there
1: yep it's very pretty
0: um two you can figure out what monsters are similar to each other and so if they are suddenly punching someone or something you can like think uh oh yeah i know where i could find something like that so i mean that's pretty much all the tips that i would have to say for improvising Mm -hmm. combat encounters yeah
1: we'll do improvising things at another time non-combat encounters at a different time because that is a a
0: very different thing that's like straight up going to nearly like improv class (laughs) but um we're gonna be moving on into our dm's guild spotlight of the week yes um it is suggested by uh spencer who is my wonderful boyfriend because he's been using this uh dams guild spotlight for i think over a year now
1: oh yeah um and i I love this one mm -hmm.
0: it is the class character sheets and we're gonna be specifically talking about the bundle because you can buy them i think individually Mm -hmm. but we do recommend the bundle oh yeah 100 percent do you have the price on there? Yeah,
1: so uh the suggested price it's a it's a pay what you want, support mm-hmm. publisher. The suggested price is four ninety-five. I'm gonna tell you this right now, that is a freaking steal. Yeah This thing should easily be fifteen to twenty dollars, yeah. if not more.
0: Um it's by Emmett Byrne.
1: Yes. I wanna say. Yeah. It, um, yeah, so it's uh E M M E T and the last name is B Y R E N E.
0: Yeah. Um, it features 70-plus character sheets. Mm-hmm. All of them are different, and they're all specified to each class.
1: Not just class. The, the archetype sub, the archetype too. as well, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, there's all the main PHB classes uh, that I'm aware of, and there's a lot of Unearthed Arcana, like the Artificer and the Revised Ranger.
1: I will say I don't know which Artificer it is. I don't know if it's, it's the both. new one. Oh, is it? Yeah. Wow, he's fast. Mm-hmm.
0: And there's even some popular, like, homebrew classes, like The Blood Hunter by Matt Mercer. And then there's also, like, The Pugilist. And there's also, apparently, a cook class, which I didn't know about. What? I know. I just was reading the description. I'm like, I want to know this class now. (laughs) Of cook lives. That's a
1: joke you're not supposed to get, but I'll tell you about later.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it was just, like, looking into it. This thing has been updated so much and so often. And he keeps updating
1: it. Now, I, so I, I pulled one of them up mm-hmm. on the laptop here. Let, let me tell you why these sheets are, in our opinion, so good. It is mainly the right side of the sheet. Mm-hmm. It has every important level you're going to have as that character, as that class... And anything that is already predetermined, such like I have the Druid right now, Wild Shape. It has at level two, Wild Shape. It gives you the entire information on it and what the level and max CR and limitations are of that shape. Mm-hmm. It's got a few blank ones for 2, 6, 10 and 14 as you can choose things but like
0: your archetype yeah They do
1: but they have other they have sheets in here that already have that done. Yeah. So if you want to just do this beforehand, you can keep going with it. And then at 18 and 20, it has like archdruid and stuff like that. But underneath that, there is a small little box just for cantrips and spells prepared.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: you can, if you're fine with not having the full uh, description or brief description done, you have just a small little area that you can write all those. Yeah. And it switches uh, attack or favored spell boxes dependent on martial or spellcasting classes. Oh, that's neat. It's so cool. The only thing I don't quite like is that the skills are underneath. They go by
0: attribute instead of alphabetical.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the main reason I don't like that is because, as we've learned from Jeremy Crawford, you don't have to tie Mm -hmm. a specific attribute to... You could
0: easily do intimidation with strength.
1: Yes. (laughs) So it kind of gives some players like the wrong information about what it's tied to. But I understand why it's there. And also, besides the paper, it had to be pretty much.
0: Yeah. And plus, it actually looks good right yes. In that, oh it, it does it looked it, yeah. th-
1: that is the number one thing i'm going to say about these sheets is they look beautiful like yeah. they look like they're what? well
0: composed definitely oh yeah <laughs>
1: they because they, they look like the normal character sheet just better
0: mm-hmm. and uh if you're a, a, an organized i will say using that word lightly as opposed to other words <laughs> uh, dm like me um then maybe sometimes how certain players write their character sheets kind of like bugs you and you're like why are you writing your stats like that like why are you writing your features like that and like i'm just like you know spencer i love you but come on <laughs> <laughs> but um when he started using these like all those features are already written out and it has a beautiful neat little box mm-hmm. that you can just fill in either paper or i think they're form fillable too yep. um and so you could print it all out too and so if you're if you it's especially good for one shots If you need to build a level, like, 12 character, um, it's already practically leveled up to that point. All you have to do is just fill in the blanks. Um, And there's only a few of them, too. Like, you know, the attributes and if you went a certain archetype. Um, But I would definitely go recommend checking this out. It is a steal, like Trevor said. Um, Like, I remember I did do the pay what you want and did zero dollars but then i went back and i gave him money because it was so good (laughs) and we've used it constantly and like to quote spencer the other day he said yeah looking at a regular character sheet is weird now (laughs) because he uses these for every new character he makes
1: um, I'm I'm going to buy the cook class right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, go ahead and check those out. Like we said, it is the mm-hmm. uh, class character sheet bundle by Emmett Byrne Byrne Byrne. We'll figure out your name one of these days, dude. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, go ahead and check those out. I highly recommend them. Mm-hmm. Um, so topic number two. Yeah is one that we both admitted before this episode we <laughs> suck at
0: yeah uh, it's not improvisate it's not a uh, inspiration
1: yeah it's yeah, it, yeah it's no not... yeah yeah we suck at inspiration but uh so this uh ryan <laughs> fritz ryan fitzgerald wrote in like uh towards the very beginning of us doing mm-hmm. this format uh and uh he said any advice on how to keep combat uh or no there's th- th- wrong thing uh that was about uh challenges in combat we've already done that one uh how do you do challenging puzzles and that was one that i'm like i don't feel like we'd have enough time in a listener question to properly answer that (laughs) so i thought that would make a really good topic yeah because here's the thing puzzles as a player are awesome and freaking cool to run into definitely puzzles as a dm Suck.
0: Yeah. Every now and then I need to clear my search history because it's just all puzzles and d Oh my God. Fifth edition puzzles. Help, I need to have a puzzle. Yeah. And it's just, for th- that's my For most the love most of God, comment. I'm
1: drowning. Where are the puzzles?
0: <laughs> like, I, I think I have at least four different, like, real life books that are just puzzles yeah. that people have given me for Christmas. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not, I don't have the mindset to build them.
1: <laughs> I, I, I've been surprised every time I've done a puzzle that players have ended up loving it. Because I'm just like, oh, thank God, because that was trash. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that might just come down to, like, imposter syndrome and stuff like that. But I'm just like, oh, my God, this is so bad.
0: There was... I think I've only ever built one puzzle and really liked it. And then the players really liked it. And they even told me afterwards, that was really cool. Yeah,
1: same. <laughs> There's literally only one.
0: Yeah. um, But... Where would you start? Where, how do you start with a puzzle? Panicking? Yeah. I mean, aside from that. <laughs> oh,
1: um, so usually after the panic rolls yeah. away, yeah. Um, I kind of take a look at where I'm placing that puzzle, what it needs to do, mm-hmm. and what kind of theme I want to put to it.
0: Do you ever think about who put it there?
1: god that's a really good idea <laughs> no because <laughs> i think about that when it comes to traps <laughs> that no yeah. traps 100 percent. i do that yeah. uh Sirek taught me that one <laughs> um his whole goal is just to murder so mm. all of them are murder um <laughs> no it, really when it comes down to puzzle like i i don't think i can let myself do that because i can't I don't think I could properly backstory why someone went, and now I shall put a puzzle here to stop anyone from getting here. Well, Why don't you just br- make a straight wall so they can't get in? Shut up, you! Because <laughs> so what
0: if you wanted to get in? <laughs> yeah,
1: well, and it's, it's there's so many other things in D&D that it's just like, you put an illusionary wall, you put a wall that only will respond to you. You can mm-hmm. do so many other things other than put a puzzle. But puzzles are fun. Yeah, they are. That And, and that is the number one reason I do it, because... One of my favorite things to see at a table is people sitting there and just kind of staring down the table, everyone in silence, and then one of them going, I got it.
0: Yeah, that's literally, I've done that before. And then it's even better <laughs> when they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so I, I do puzzles because they're fun at the table. Um, but no I can't sit there and think about why they're there because it's just like <laughs> that's stupid why would they be here <laughs>
0: I guess in a weird way that is part of what makes the game the game yes um because I mean like
1: I, I will say I almost feel like puzzles are the most gamey part of d d that you're gonna do mm-hmm. because with a with an encounter like you can do story elements and things like that um, unless you're just throwing random creatures at them. And then that just gets really video gamey. Yeah. But puzzles, like you're actually sitting there and you're designing a small mini game yeah. inside <laughs> your game to game the game. Yeah. Your dog. Yeah. I heard you like games. <laughs> um, so yeah, after I, you know, kind of do that that concept of like uh, what the point, and when I say what the point of it is, that's kind of could be brought into why, like who put it there, but it's more of like, Is this blocking their way to something? Is this holding something they need? Is this, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that can kind of inform more of how the puzzle is. There was one that you guys did during Starfinder. This is the one I always think of, because this was one of those puzzles that I went, this is hot street trash. And then you guys ended up enjoying it. <laughs> um, <Gosh. laughs> and it was, uh, you guys were on a moon or asteroid. You were in space somewhere on a rock.
0: Right. Um, as you do.
1: As you do. <laughs> and the on the floor, there was, there were these disks that had um, a solar system in it. And then there was a thing nearby that gave you a clue about what planets went near what. And... The, this this kind of leads into a piece of advice I'm going to give you about puzzles is no matter how obvious you think something is it's not because as I laid down this puzzle in front of all of you yeah. I went this is so glaringly obvious yeah. this isn't gonna I'm gonna have to come up I'm gonna uh, actually it's funny I'm gonna have to improvise an encounter after this Yeah. <laughs> because this is gonna go by so quick 30 minutes later <laughs> yeah because you uh, you know the secret. You are the one that's coming up with it. Yeah. It's obvious to
0: you. You know the punchline already.
1: You do. You're already looking for it. Mm-hmm. So know that most likely as obvious as you think it's going to be, it's not that obvious. It's
0: not. Yeah. That's, I think, one of the reasons why I feel like I'm not good at uh, writing puzzles. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: do you try to do puzzles or do you try to do riddles? Because that was the thing that I found... That I was doing is that I was actually making a riddle.
0: Oh, no, I don't really bother with riddles too much.
1: (laughs) Sorry for (laughs) hitting the mic there. (laughs) Uh,
0: No, I don't really bother with riddles too much. Um, I mean, like I did once Mm -hmm. and it was just kind of like, okay, that's done, next. And it's like, oh, okay. That wasn't really fun. So I'm just kind of like, eh, I'll not do them really. Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, puzzles where you have to like rack your brain for a solution because it's not present in front of you immediately.
1: I will say that the thing that the bookstore games have taught me is that there should be a little bit of challenge to it, but it should be fun.
0: Yeah. There should be an element of, like, uh, if you do something wrong, something happens, maybe. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and,
1: and, well, that's a really important thing, is mm-hmm. that this isn't a video game. There, You can't load a save. Yep. There cannot be a fail state.
0: If you break it. Yeah, that's it <laughs> yeah like
1: there needs to be something that happens that even if they don't get through it mm-hmm. that something can happen to get them there because like that's why this is the gamey part of it yeah and it does slightly break immersion a little bit Um, but the way that I get around that is the way that I drop clues
0: mm-hmm.
1: I if I, I have a certain amount of time in my head then I'm like okay if this amount of time passes call for a wisdom check and I just do a straight wisdom check. Yeah. And if they hit a very moderate DC that I've set in my head, I go, "You notice that this is similar to this, yeah. or something like that." That's I'm just pulling that out of my ass. But it, it is I use those as like the voice in the back of their head, and that's mm-hmm. always what I say when I when anytime I as a DM give them any sort of advice, I say, "This is the voice in the back of your head."
0: Yeah. 'Cause I mean, like, there is a such thing like intuition. Yes. Um, it's hard to roleplay intuition. Mm-hmm. And so that's where you as a DM can provide intuition. Yeah. Like, uh, you have a feeling that you should probably look up. Mm-hmm. Or it's like you feel like something's looking at you. And so then the players are like, I look up. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, well, above you you see this huge layout of the exact puzzle beneath you. And you're
1: mm-hmm. like, Oh <laughs> You see the answer. It says look back down, you idiot. <laughs> um So but the, the, the fun factor so one of the, the the one that I got really happy with uh, was actually uh, concepted by Evan and I before one of the bookstore games. Oh okay. Um, we were we were both sitting there like oh I kind of want to do we had this idea of doing a scavenger hunt mm-hmm. because it was around Easter time. Oh neat. Um, but we were like well we don't want them running around the store. <laughs> um, we can't really hide anything in real life. How could we mimic? a scavenger hunt in the game. And so what we did was is we had we were doing mad mage dungeon and we took the maps for the floors that we were doing because we we're doing separate ones. And it was basically like, okay, there's something important here. Yeah. And we took a piece of paper, traced that shape, and then cut it up. Oh. And so we gave <gasps> oh. the players a map of where they were and then we gave them the pieces and goes this tells you where the item you need is
0: that is so neat
1: yeah and it was really fun because we had all these kids and adults in there it's like okay turn turn it that way okay well this shapes like that so do it like this and i just kind of got to sit back for a little bit and go be like oh yep they're just doing their own thing now Mm -hmm. and they solved it and they everybody had a lot of fun it was great and that i think is all you really need for a puzzle Mm mm-hmm it doesn't need to be the like the big bad guy set this puzzle down to stop you in your check well that's not fun
0: no i mean like funny enough that was the puzzle that i referenced actually was a map puzzle
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um one of my players uh for non-spoils for spoilers um certain enemies had captured a very specific very powerful thing and were running away with it Mm -hmm. they were gonna run to essentially the underdark and never be heard or seen from again. The heroes of the story didn't want that to happen. Mm -hmm. However, they were on the other side of the country. So, um, one of the magic users, she used Scry um, on the creature that they had stolen. Scry lets you see from 10 feet away from the creature. The creature is in an iron flask. So, uh, the creature wanting to be released, willingly, ...failed the save for Scry every time. So at one point, the one time that they were moving around during the day... um, ...they were actually on a mountaintop. And she looked around using Scry and she got a good... ...horizon view of the surroundings around them. These players, I've actually printed out this huge map for them of the Sword Coast and it's a player map so it doesn't have like everything written down and it's not necessarily like accurate accurate for things Mm -hmm. but um they've been moving around the sword coast for so long that it's like they've seen this map and they know this map and so i'm like describing it's like beneath you directly to the south because you see the setting sun uh you see a forest and then at the base of the forest you see a lake and beyond that you see a mountain and there's a valley in between those mountains and so she's like writing down these details and they're like where is this on the map and from what perspective are they and they're in an elevated position so everyone got together and huddled over the map in real life just like they would in character
1: wow and they
0: were piecing it together and at one point they're like they have to be there and they all looked at each other in a moment and i'm all like and i'm just like sitting there just so happy so good and It was that was probably my best puzzle I've ever I've ever personally made. Well, what's
1: great about that is that is not the normal concept of a puzzle Mm because like what I've been describing is you're walking through a dungeon and then there's a thing in your way and then you got to solve it. That's just a great environmental puzzle. That's like that's Skyrim storytelling, like environmental storytelling where. You come upon a dead witch in a cottage, and you look at her book, and it gives you a description of where she was meeting someone. You're like, okay, I need to go find that place. I need to go place. find that
0: place. Yeah. That's,
1: and and what's what's great is um I that actually jogged my memory. I did something like that in fourth edition, and didn't even think about it till now that it was a puzzle. <laughs> they were on uh, Sigil, mm-hmm.
0: the, oh, city, yeah, of the city of doors. the city of doors. And
1: um they went to a madman um to find an object, and he was giving them just gibberish and they realized that it was points on the map because oh, I had a, I had a yeah. map of sigil out there. And so they, I, and I had that same moment as you where they were all up over the table and like, okay, well maybe it's theirs. So let's go there. That, that is some, that's a great puzzle that is not, a, con- a conventional puzzle yeah
0: that one i was really proud of because i knew everyone had fun even me yeah they were like i want to scry again and so they like <laughs> so i had to describe it but like in di- night time and then i had to describe it from like a different perspective because mm-hmm. they moved yeah and it was like it was so neat and I-, I i really enjoyed doing that puzzle like i would definitely recommend trying to figure out puzzles that you would also enjoy yes <laughs> because
1: there i mean i i do it all the time. I googled Dungeons and Dragons puzzles. <laughs> yeah. And I found some good ones in there. Yeah. Um you guys did one with a magic door that needed you holding a book to go through. Yeah. <laughs> there was Oh, then there was the door that uh needed you to do a knock-knock joke.
0: Um something that I kind of thought of the other day. Think back to Fable 2 or 3 with the doors. Oh,
1: the demon doors. Yeah, the demon doors. Yeah, cuz some of those were good puzzles. Other ones was just like bring someone in front of me and murder them.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, you can do something similar to that, but mm-hmm. not the murder part. Yeah. Um. Some of them were just straight riddles, and then some of them were, like, you have to do an action, and you have to figure out what that action yeah, is. Yeah,
1: yeah. Some of them are, like... And they got really meta, too, because, like, yeah. some of them, like, described the action, and some of them were just, like, it's... Third away from this on your gesture wheel. <laughs> it's yeah. Like,
0: what? What? <laughs> so it's like if if you're struggling coming up with something, refer to your favorite stuff. Yeah. Like I mean, think about movies and games. Games especially. Like if you think like, oh, here's a puzzle that I really remember doing and enjoying, getting over that hurdle. Mm-hmm. Try not to do something like Skyrim where it's like, oh, this is the whale, this is the eagle, and this is the snake.
1: I literally oh my god uh, uh for the because the, the puzzle i did a puzzle on saturday uh and i was cu- uh, like concepting one and i realized halfway there i'm like you're just making the puzzle from skyrim to mm-hmm. get into the the wall room yeah yeah i mean so. like it's
0: not just the wall room it's like in over 80 dungeons in skyrim
1: well the, the <laughs> what i actually ended up doing because i was really busy and i didn't have time to actually like do like a full puzzle plan. yeah round. I actually ended up finding a puzzle in Princes of the Apocalypse and yeah. just moved it.
0: I mean, that's something that you should definitely do. Take puzzles from other books. Yeah. Like, um, that's what I did for one of the bookstore games. We were promoting uh, the Volo's Guide to, uh, to Monsters, mm-hmm. and I was featuring giants. I took a puzzle straight from storm king's thunder Mm -hmm. and pretty much plugged it into there tweaked it a bit added some riddles that corresponded with the correct giant and made it out of that i mean because storm king's thunder is actually filled with a lot of puzzles because again that book isn't meant to be a combat book yeah these characters are supposed to be way too level under level to fight things and so more often than not they're finding ways around combat which often leads to encounters circling around with puzzles Mm -hmm. so like Yeah, Storm King Thunder is a good puzzle book.
1: The other thing I will suggest is like, yeah, you can Google it. But uh, I mean, I'll plug it in DMs Guild. There are uh, people have written whole books on there of puzzles.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Um, 100%.
1: So you can go on there and find some good ones. But I do really suggest like sitting down and trying to make one and not think about it in that way of why was this put here? Just try and first make a fun puzzle and then worry about why it's there later. Mm-hmm. But do but like I was saying, what is its purpose and yeah. where is it set so that you can kind of gauge that idea? Like, you know, for the Mad Mage's Dungeon, like it was a giant map we were in, so mm-hmm. let's use the map.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, that first bullet point of what is its purpose, try not to throw at them a puzzle and then have the reward be just so minimal. Yeah. Because... If the reward is moving on to the next room, that's pretty good reward. If the reward is just like, oh, you get, like, 20 gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, even at lower levels, that's like, oh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, hopefully there was some advice in there on puzzles. I feel like there was. I feel like there was. Yeah. It was a shorter topic, but uh, it, it's one that I, I knew was going to last longer than a listener question. So, Ryan, I hope that helps you out. Yes. <laughs> Uh, well, let's, uh, let's move in some uh, listener questions. And by uh, listener questions, I mean Aaron. Uh, <laughs> hey, Aaron. <laughs> Thanks for talking to us. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so we're going to do a couple questions from Aaron today. Uh, th- this one I feel like is a really important one. Mm-hmm. Um, if a player gave you, the DM, uh, the book that, and asked, like a campaign book, and asked to play it and the table agreed, would, uh, would you take it as a good thing? Uh, that Or that the player didn't enjoy the last story, baby. Mm. And that is a really good one. Uh, because, yeah, I can totally see how that would be like, oh, so you're not enjoying the game that I'm doing.
0: Yeah, especially if you're doing like a homebrew thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It really depends on the context, I think.
1: It is, and it does kind of go back to the difficulty class, colon, colon read the room. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but... I mean, I'm hoping that you know your friends well enough to know not how to piss them off. But really, the way that you described it there, Aaron, was really good. If I had a player walk up to me with a book and give it to me <laughs> oh and be God. like, I want to play this. that I'd just be like, yeah, of course we're going to do that. That's <laughs> that's so sweet. Like, I, I, I love you for doing that. Yeah. Like, one, you have shown that you not only love playing this game, but you love playing it my table with me as the dm Mm -hmm. that you bought a book to give me to run yeah oh man dude yeah please (laughs) 100 i would
0: would not be offended at all if like because i mean i've been up front with my players i've told them like i have an overarching plan Mm -hmm. of where to go with this campaign um and i've told them also you guys have control over that overarching plan depending on your character's actions Mm -hmm. um but if player-wise, not character-wise, they want to play something, I'm not going to be opposed to it. I mean, in the end, you want to have fun. Mm -hmm. And if the players really want to have fun playing a certain module, yeah. I mean, like, I wouldn't be offended at all. The time I would be...
1: But the thing is, I'm going to say, that is us. mm -hmm. I'm not going to speak for every DM. Yeah. Again, you know your friends, you know your DM. Yeah. So... I, I think going to him like that would be a great way to do it. I mean, if you don't want to slap down the monetary value first, just be like, hey, if I bought this book, would you run it?
0: Yeah. I mean, like, also consider timing.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, if, 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 you're if, the, if the DM seems like
0: in the middle of a campaign and the DM's really going hard into it, they and bought looking minis. looking like they're
1: excited about it.
0: And they're like, oh, I can't wait for you guys to get to the next part. And it's like, and then you're like, hey... Could we do this next?
1: <laughs> yes, that is into the read the read the table thing.
0: Yeah, um, but I think a way I would be offended is if it was just them constantly saying, "I can't wait to get to this thing," mm-hmm. and it's nowhere near the story you're playing. Yeah, because that's happened where it's like they're sitting there and you're playing the game and you're playing this module and you're enjoying the module, you're enjoying DMing it, and a few of the other players are at least you hope. And, but then either one or two of them start saying like, oh, when we get to this game, like this campaign, I'm excited for that. And I'm that kind of like slightly breaks my heart a little bit. <laughs> I
1: mean, I will say that there are ways you can do that because take Ike's game. Mm-hmm. We're playing Ike's game right now, enjoying it, but Wiz is going to be running the one after this. Yeah. And we've already started talking about our characters and stuff like that at the table while we're playing Ike's game. Yeah. But we do preface like, hey, this is not anything against your game. We are loving this, but we're also really excited about what's coming next. Yeah. Because Again, it's, it's very different from what we're doing here.
0: It's that context. Yes. Yeah.
1: That, yeah, no. Context is a really good thing to give people,
0: yeah. especially uh, at a table. Read the table. Uh, understand your friends and your DM. And if you are the DM, understand their point of view of where they're coming from and just try to do it in the least offensive way. Yeah.
1: You know, you you know your friends, but I don't, I I think like, if you really want to play Curse of Strahd and you give them that book, I mean, you can be like, we don't have to run this next week. We don't have to run this next month. This is something I would like to play and I would love for you to run it. Yeah, that's a great way to say it.
0: And in a weird way, I would take that as a compliment. Oh
1: yeah, oh my god, yeah, it'd be like mm-hmm. my ego does not need this. <laughs> um, so Aaron also had some questions about uh, alignment left over from our yes. alignment episode.
0: I mean, understandably, a few of you did.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, th- th- I'm gonna kind of bullet point a couple of these so mm-hmm. that we can just give them as discussion points. Yeah. So let's see. Killing someone in their sleep.
0: So I remember this. Okay. So. In the in the question specifically, I remember you saying that um, if a player goes and kills a bad guy in their sleep, does that make them good or evil? And so, really, that's kind of almost the wrong part of the alignment chart to be asking because um, the fact that you throw in the word "bad guy" in their sleep automatically makes it a good action because you're you're killing a bad guy. I mean, that's what you do in D and D. You 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 take down threats
1: it's true
0: i mean like you could you could categorize that as good or even neutral Mm. i don't know but um mainly i think what you're asking about is the action which definitely i think refers to the spectrum of chaotic to neutral uh to lawful
1: yeah i okay yeah i will agree with that um so on the alignment episode we talked about punisher yeah uh Fun afterthought here. My friend later looked up uh, a, uh, a forum that said, if you ever want to break the alignment tree, bring up the Punisher. Mm-hmm. Well, before he brought that up, I actually asked my friends at the bar we were at about the Punisher and alignment. <laughs> this started a nearly 40-minute conversation.
0: Naturally. Yeah.
1: Um, so the thing I'm going to say about the killing in their sleep,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Punisher would 100% kill a bad guy in their sleep. Yeah. Like not even a second thought. Yeah. But then you bring up Mal Reynolds. Yeah. He even says in the show, I'm not gonna shoot someone unless they have a gun in their hand.
0: Yeah, that's kind of an oddly a more lawful take on it. And that is.
1: And that and that's why I'm agreeing with you now, because at first I was kind of on the other side, but yeah, no, that is. Like I don't Malcolm
0: has a code that he needs to stick to. He
1: does. He has a his lawfulness is to his moral code Mm -hmm. and his ship's code. Mm -hmm. The Punisher, while lawful like, cause again, I say he's lawful evil. Like he, his lawful thing does not have that in its spectrum. Yeah. Um. But if so, I guess that's kind of down to what it is. Like, yeah. Like both of those characters are completely different in how they would go about that. Malcolm would make sure he they are awake and with a gun in their hand. Punisher doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. But I would say that they are both lawful in those terms. Yeah. But I would say that mal is good and the punisher is evil
0: i know, i would agree
1: (laughs) um but so is there a situation then when killing a bad guy in their sleep would still have the good on it
0: um yeah i would say so yeah yeah i mean like this is going into kind of heavy alignment kind of talk where it's Mm. like what do you consider to be good and evil? yeah well Um, and and
1: this does kind of you know, fit into one of Aaron's questions that we weren't going to quite go into, but it's like, how do you interpret alignment at the table? Because that's kind of the thing is that alignment is that, that D and D topic that everyone has an opinion about. And almost everyone has a different opinion about.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, I think it's good as a DM to kind of set it out. I've, I've laid it out for my Mm -hmm. players being all like, because I remember one of them asked Eric asked like, well, what do you consider evil? And so I told him like to sum it up for me being evil is making the premeditated choice to being a dick in general
1: that's actually kind that's, of really good
0: that's evil yeah. um, good I couldn't necessarily come up with a good one liner but um, it's essentially someone who's willing to put that aside for i don't know it's it's like good is more difficult for me to define than evil
1: the one that i came up with that was the opposite of your definition of evil did not sound right oh gosh which was you're the one that is purposely putting that dick in its place
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know what i like that (laughs) so yeah i'm gonna take that but um
1: (laughs) not the tagline of this episode
0: but uh, definitely uh, establish that. And you should probably leave it up to the DM to establish it. Feel free to have a conversation. Yeah. But I think the final say should I'm, be from the DM. I'm going to tell
1: you this from experience. Don't bring up the Punisher. Yeah, <laughs> no. Don't, don't
0: do it. Don't, unless you're wanting to not play D&D for over an hour, yeah. probably yeah, just... Yeah, don't, don't bring up the
1: Punisher. Yeah. Um. So yeah, killing in Sleep, uh, for me, I think that's because like I would subscribe more to the Mal Reynolds thought that that is a more evil thing than not so but it's interpretation so i would say yeah have a conversation with your uh with your dm like if you have that thought at the table you can like fourth wall break it for a moment do a meta talk and be like hey what sort of alignment do you see this being Mm
0: -hmm. like uh, straight up i would see killing someone in their sleep whether they be good or bad in general probably more chaotic neutral um, not necessarily good or evil, but probably more neutral because okay. there could be bad people and they could be sleeping. And it's like, this is our one chance to take down this person mm-hmm. with just any kind of advantage. Yeah,
1: because that that's like, uh, if you time traveled and Hitler was sleeping, would you shoot him? Yeah, 100% I would.
0: Exactly. It's that kind of question. Yeah. And so it's like, it, I think it's more of a neutral as far as that alignment mm-hmm. skill goes, but I think it's definitely more of a chaotic action. Yeah. Um, For in the sleep, at least.
1: Um, So Aaron also asked, what constitutes an alignment change?
0: Mm.
1: That one is also kind of up to interpretation with your DM.
0: Definitely. Definitely with the DM.
1: (laughs) Um, I I remember uh, Ike's first campaign we did. Uh, Tara had been doing, I don't remember what it was, but she'd been doing a certain act for a while. And Ike at one point went, I'm going to need you to change the letters on your sheet.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he says, Be, you, and this isn't like a, you chose to do this suddenly, you've been doing it. Yeah. So I feel like your alignment needs to change.
0: I mean, like, and that's kind of important in Pathfinder, because alignment actually does affect a lot of stat parts yes, of the game. Yes, it does. And so, like, for your alignment to truly reflect your character is kind of more important in Pathfinder than I think in D&D. There are
1: spells that are, are literally affected by what alignment they are. Yeah,
0: spells, attacks, all these kind I of mean, things. I
1: mean, like, in D&D, there's Weapons, uh, detect good too. and evil But then there's, like, in Pathfinders, there's protection from chaotic.
0: Yeah. There's weapons, too, that have, like, a DR overcome by, like, lawful good characters. That's right. God,
1: that's insane.
0: Yeah. So it's... (laughs) I think um, stat and game-wise, it's more important in Pathfinder than D&D. But, however, in D&D, it can be important flavor-wise. So what constitutes a change would probably be, I would say, either slow events that happen over time or major ones Mm -hmm. i I wouldn't really say like on a whim ever really because that just doesn't make any sense because the alignment is supposed to represent your core values and beliefs um, more so than those like four little boxes of your personality and boon and and flaw and such. Uh, your lawful, your, your your alignment in general summarizes all of that into two little letters mm-hmm. or one if you're just straight true neutral. Yeah,
1: um, but like, what constitutes like an alignment change is, in my opinion, like pretty a pretty dramatic shift. Yeah, like if you're lawful neutral but you're uh, like continuously making decisions towards one group or Mm -hmm. one uh, way of acting then yeah you should change your your alignment should be changed. If um, you are a lawful good character and your character gets so pissed off at someone because let's say they're mocking your family dying or some stuff yeah. and you run them through with a sword and it's just some random dude in a tavern, your alignment changes, buddy. Yeah. Like a hundred percent in that moment. Yeah. Also a constitutional alignment changes certain archways in the tomb of horse. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, certain wells too. It's, yes. you know, things just change. Things happen. Um, But yeah, I mean like it's kind of represented through your core beliefs. And if something affects those core beliefs, then your alignment can change.
1: Well, I and I well, I don't think that it has to be the core beliefs because
0: well, if you believe the, the, that, that
1: lawful good character yeah. knows what they're doing is wrong, they feel that it is wrong and they still do it. It is almost going against your core beliefs. Yeah, it's not a shift in it because I feel like, especially for a while after that, you're still gonna feel like that was bad, mm-hmm. but you did it. Yeah, and so this is what we were talking about though with fluctuating alignments is that you can go to evil and then back to good. There are those character arcs. I always like, let's say you have a villain that becomes the good guy, call it being vegeta'd. Like (laughs) that is a thing that happens. And we don't talk about the Majin Buu stuff, Uh, (laughs) but like that, that happens where like, Vegeta, like, uh, I cannot believe I'm going to be talking about Dragon Ball Z here, but here we go. Go for it, do Vegeta, it. Vegeta, you know, could have been a good guy, gone to evil because Kakarot pissed him off so bad, but then went back uh, went back to good because he wanted to help people out. Mm-hmm. Like, that is a thing that could happen. We talked about Anakin Skywalker and his fluctuating Yeah, no, he alignment. goes all over the place. And so, it's, you know... It's going against your core beliefs, but then looking at your, having that retrospective look and being like, okay, maybe this isn't what I want to be and going back on it. So you can do that stuff. Mm -hmm. We kind of got a little bit far away from what constitutes an alignment change, (laughs) but it's, I I really do think that going against your core beliefs is what can constitute an alignment change. If you're evil and then save a puppy out of a tree. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the, I mean, like, that, you or if, that for however long you've just been setting those trees on fire the moment you start doing that you're going against your core beliefs
0: or if you're Mal Reynolds and you do shoot someone in the back
1: yeah no like and, and you know the show didn't get to go a long time and I feel like they would have played with that imagine if there had been a scene where Mal Reynolds shot someone dead in a bed defenseless yeah everyone on everyone watching that show would have gasped
0: yes and, that, <laughs> and
1: that's one of those moments where it's like hey there was some alignment change there buddy Mhm. Um so it turns out that I wrote down discussing alignment even though I said that was the thing we weren't going to talk about oh, we, but did we did talk about it. So that was actually <laughs> the last one. Uh so Aaron thank you for writing those in. Uh we really appreciate. It. We love reading your stuff. Yes. We love but we do love reading it from uh love reading it from everyone else as well. Mm-hmm. So if you have a question, a topic suggestion or a horror story at the table anything you want anything you want to write in with send them into difficultyclass at gmail.com
0: yes well that was our show for this week if you enjoyed this podcast and want to support it the best way to do that is by leaving a review on your service of choice as well as telling your friends about the show if you'd like your questions advice or stories read on the show send them into difficultyclass at gmail.com and if you'd like to stay up to date on the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Difficulty Class and on Instagram at Difficulty Podcast. So until next week, don't get killed by a kraken wizard. <laughs>